Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that we've been lucky enough to implement here for over two years now. The product in and of itself is exactly what you need it to be, guys, with options ranging from being a workout provider, as in sending the workout directly to the student-athlete's phones, to being a place where you can communicate with them and bring together multiple streams of data to be its own dashboard for you, your coaching staff, or the athletes. Or you can use what we've added to our, our menu of Coach Me Plus activities, and that's Hydration Station, where all of this information that is provided is based off of research from the Corey Stringer Institute, where we're looking at weighing in versus weighing out and then providing optimal hydration uh, strategies for the student-athletes by them selecting through the menu and tapping on what they'll take home with them and what they're consuming prior to the next practice um, when all the numbers at the top are lined up green. It's something we've had really good success with and the kids have really bought in on. Just another great example of the awesome product that you can find at coachmeplus.com. Guys, hop over to coachmeplus.com today and check it out. It's a product I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. Hey everybody, if you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive members website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away. Tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com slash community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com slash community and check it out today. Hello! And welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have a sensational discussion with the Sport and Speed Institute's Justin Kavanaugh. Coach Kavanaugh are going to sit down and we're going to talk about how he built his filter when it comes to understanding the pros, cons, goods, and bads, and looking at things from just the people he associates with all the way to the business and training methods that he uses up there in Northern Virginia. You know, then we're going to start getting into... Um, you know, educating yourself, the role of it, and, and educating your staff, and how being invested just in that exceptionally improves how you can handle your athletes. You know, and then we're going to start discussing about like what is actually important and what leads to winning. And, and he's going to share some things that he sees that are most important. And uh, it, it's really some some eye opening stuff when he gets going into that one. And then we finish off talking training and really, you know, how he has had his most success, you know, with increasing buy-in, some strategies he's used when it comes to 
building that factor and, and what he has done with his training and what he recommends to other coaches to increase buy-in. Guys, this is an absolutely killer talk and one that I have been trying to get on the, on the show for a long time. And I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Cav, this has been a long time coming, brother. I'm stoked to have you on the show today. Oh, man, thanks for having me, man. It's been fun trying to connect. It's funny, every time we say we're going to do this, we end up start talking talking shop about nonsense for hours, and we're like, shit, we could have just recorded it right then. I know, right? Well, luckily, I actually hit the button this time. So let's let everybody know who you are, where you're at, and what you're doing. Uh, well, you know, quick background about myself. I was born and raised in Miami, uh, two amazing parents. Dad's a firefighter, mom's a teacher. Grew up in, uh, you know, kind of the middle of Miami. I uh, was a multiple sport athlete. And, uh, you know, long story short, um, I knew I always wanted to get into coaching, thought that that coaching career was going to, you know, happen uh, inevitably after my, you know, college career and then after my long pro career and then turn into Ironman and take all my money and give back to the community. And uh, God had a different plan for me. Uh, end of freshman year, uh, ended up uh, falling through the roof, 25 feet, broke my back, changed my life, right? It went from being, um, you know, what I'd like to consider a pretty good athlete, at least in the area to not being able to walk. And that kind of um, really changed the scope of, of my career until it is the way it is today from a coaching perspective. Because what it did is it gave me a different lens to look at life through, you know? Um, and basically, long story short, that there was a lot of stories within that recovery, but what you would consider, I don't, I hate to call it depression, but you get a little down on yourself because you lose kind of your, your image as an athlete, right? And when you have that evolution of athlete to coach, I think that a lot of people don't know how to handle that. I know I didn't, and I know that it was too early in my career to want to become a coach full time, even though at the time I was coaching. So, you know, I believe that uh, God has a plan and his timing's a little bit better than ours. And I basically bought in. It took me a while to kind of figure that out because I was still fighting that battle to, for recovery. But uh, once I did buy in, I was able to kind of go full force into my coaching career. And, um, Opened up a training facility down in Miami, was able to build that company up to uh, 39 different locations. A lot of people think that's a, a awesome achievement, which I'm very proud of. But I, you know, I joke around, my dad's a firefighter, my brother's a firefighter. Basically, that's what I became. I became somebody who was putting out fires all day because there's always a problem when you have that many facilities in the business world, right? And I got away from the things that I enjoyed doing most, which was coaching. And um, so I sold that business in 2009. Fast forward, I'm up here in Northern Virginia now, and I was doing consulting, and I now own one uh, training facility, about 10,000 square feet, uh, turf, weight room, rehab, kind of the what I would consider the complete athlete development center. So uh, we bring in people, you know, across the country, across the globe, to educate and um, instill kind of the foundations of education in, in sports performance to our new coaches because I believe that there's a gap there in our normal exercise science kinesiology programs across the country and American education and then we train athletes you know pretty much you know we're one of the rare companies that 95% of our business is athlete performance and I think most people have to go to general pop uh, we've really haven't done a great job with general pop but um, now I think what we've done a good job of is basically understanding our niche. Our niche is speed development, long-term athletic development, and really taking kids in transitional periods of their life. So middle school to high school, high school to pros, high school to college, college to the pro. And uh, that's kind of our wheelhouse. So, you know, obviously as you get 
further into their careers, there's less of them, right? So we have a lot of high school kids that are going to college. We put about 100 kids in a year to play Division One football and a bunch to play college soccer as well for females. And then for the NFL Combine, we're about 12 to 20 guys a year. And uh, we've had a lot of success. We had a great draft this year. And um, I mean, it all comes down to, number one, having really good talent, but then have an opportunity to work with them. And most of the kids in those programs buy in very quickly. You know, we have a great culture, something I'm really proud of. But uh, most importantly, you know, we are very, um, we are agnostic to the process and very religious to the end result. No, that's awesome, man. And, you know, the, the modesty obviously is appreciative, but also, you know, you wrote a little book once back in the day <laughs> yeah. as he pulls the perfect time to pull the mug. And, you know, when I think of you and our relationship, I think that what I would say you're best at above all of the other things, because, you know, we've sent a bunch of guys up there to train with you and they've loved it and have said nothing but really awesome things about you. Alan maybe a little different, but you know, with you it's always been. I'm joking, Alan, sort of. Um, but with you, it's always been like how awesome the program is. The results are always there, and this and that. But I think the thing that when I think of Coach Cav is your bullshit filter is probably like the greatest of anyone that I've been around, and that oh, comes, I appreciate that. That comes in training. That comes in just like general people skills. And that comes in the business side too. And I think that's something for coaches that when we look now at where a lot of people are going with things, and I'm just as guilty of this as everybody, is the individual coaching, marketing, and branding of themselves. What are some things that you've done through those kind of four different realms where you've been able to really kind of I mean, lack of a better term, like sniff out the bullshit. Well, I think it comes, I mean, two, number one, it starts with probably my parents, like my mom, like there's video of my mother on, on recording, telling my dad while I'm playing a game of whatever sort saying, you know, Kevin, teach him how to run. He runs like a girl, you know, and nowadays that'd be really offensive to a lot of people. And my mom, my dad looked at my mom and goes, no, he runs like you, who my mom was a cheerleader. So God forbid I look like that. And it was just this aggressive honesty right it was this this level of like honesty that my parents always had with me where i think they told me when i sucked and when i was good you know and they didn't they weren't really like a pat on the back if i you know got a trophy for second place that didn't exist right and but i think really what it comes down to you know i think part of that is parenting from a you know younger development standpoint but part of it was i was when i was younger it was fake it till you make it right i started coaching at such a young age that i didn't know what i was doing so i would always bs my way into those conversations and then it's like oh fuck i'm here what do i do now i don't know what i'm doing so there's this level of now exposure so then i had to real be very aggressive learner right to figure out really quickly where i am but um i am one of those people because of that um because of those moments and i and then also like once i got hurt and then once i knew you know i wasn't going to be the athlete that i was i i held that back for a very long time so i didn't talk about getting hurt i didn't actually didn't talk about my athletic career at all because i didn't want to have to bring up the moments in which i was like pretty much at some level depressed and then basically now i i basically said you know what the, the best way for me to develop like armor is to be very vulnerable 
and basically just say straight up, like, look, this is where I'm good. This is where I'm bad. And the level of honesty and awareness that I have, because I'm okay with my career being done. And I'm okay with the fact that I'm, you know, I'm a fat old white bald guy now. I'm okay with that. Right. And I'm not constantly trying to compete for an athletic career that doesn't exist anymore. An ego allows me to move faster. So when people are stuck in those conversations, well, then I ask people like, well, why are we having this conversation? Because at the end of the day, like that argument doesn't matter. That's just drama. And to me, gossip drama in my world is just cancer. I just don't want anything to do with it. So anyone that knows me, I do filter right through the bullshit because it's like, okay, what are you trying to sell me? Right. And, and actually, I would feel better if someone just told me that to begin with. Like, look, here's what I'm trying to do. All right, cool. If we're if we jive, then let's make it work. But I'm a big believer of intent matters the most. So now, Aust, you know, we're not judged on our intent. We're judged on our actions. But the intention is what's going to maintain the relationship for a long period of time. Because even if for some reason you do you're working with somebody, but it doesn't work out, right? If your intention was only to help or if your intention was always positive, then you'll always be able to fall back on the fact that you did right by them. Maybe the end result wasn't what you wanted, but at the end of the day, you didn't screw somebody over. And I think in this world right now, we're always trying to kind of like hide our biggest faults. But if you just expose them, you can move fast. And I think that's what people are just not willing to do. Like I am not going to act like another coach because I can't be that guy. Whether they're smarter than me in certain areas or they're better at certain things than I am, that's fine. And once I learned to be okay with that, right, then I can move forward. But I think that's where I was able to develop not just a BS meter, but the idea of like, who do I want to spend time with? Because you really, like we don't, as coaches, right, it's, we're around everybody. The, 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 the circles are, are, are large in a lot of sense, but they're super connected. It's a very small circle. And um, at some point, I think that, you know, we become very lonely as coaches, right? And that's a good thing, right? We have our silos and we start to just kind of focus ourselves. But um, it's like, who do I really want to listen to? So what I've done in my life is put what I call lighthouses along the path, right? And basically is like, hey, as a captain of my ship, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to steer it in the water. And that lighthouse, that person that's on the training perspective, right, is basically going to help me from not making a, a, a decision that's going to crash me. Right. Or the person that maybe maybe it's my wife from a character standpoint or, or you know, something else where it's like I, I being a dad or being a, a husband. It's like maybe that person's keeping me in check. Right. And you have to have their per, different people in your life to do those things. And I understand that you can't be everything to everyone, because if that's the case, you're going to be nothing to no one. No, man, I love it. And I I do because you've really. <laughs> I mean, let's be real for a second here. You've really put me in my place with a couple things when it comes to like what we're trying to do and how we're trying to, to build and expand and figure this stuff out. And there isn't a conversation that we have where I'm not like, I don't get off the computer or the phone. I'm just like, fucking cab. You know? Like, <laughs> like, like, well, I mean, that, that's a good point because I do the same thing because at the same time, like that opinion, right, develops a, like, it develops a conversation. But the, one of the things that I, am so passionate about with young coaches is this idea to think for themselves, right? I do not do like, oh man, you want to talk about a weakness that I have is like base level education. Like someone comes to me and they don't know anatomy and they don't know physiology and they don't understand like just basic nutrition. It's like, I'm the worst person to teach them, right? That's why like people like Jeff and people that are really good, like Adam Fight is amazing. Like these are people that are great at like educating people because they're teachers, right? And it's like, 
I don't do well with that. So like I lose my mind. But because, you know, you are like your foundation is so strong and you have such a, a awareness about a lot of different things. I think oftentimes we get shiny object syndrome and we like go over there and it's like asking why. Provoking a thought is something that I'm super passionate about because it develops a, a more intriguing conversation. You go you can go deeper. But if everyone's always talking about the same thing, well, then fuck it. We might as well just agree and just everyone should just do the exact same training program. That's it. But if that was the, if that was actually true, then everyone would be freak athletes and everyone would have just this freak genetic potential and nobody would get hurt. But we don't have that. We have a we have an environment in an industry which is craving trends because they're always looking for a solution because they haven't went back and looked at history and realized why we got to the shit storm to begin with. I mean, now more than ever, like more people are getting hurt than ever before. And it's actually not being caused by the sport anymore. That ex that that excuse is gone. The reality of it is, is most of the fucking problems are happening from the damn coaches training them. And it, that's what's frustrating. And I'm not saying I'm not one of them. I mean, we are all part of the problem. But at the same time, if we're not interesting in being interested in part of the solution, then it's going to be a big problem. And I think this concept of like, hey, are you interested in a subject or are you invested? Because a lot of people are like, oh, I'm interested, so I'll just jump on the bandwagon. But then like when it gets negative, right, or when people are like opposing that conversation or the why you're doing something, they just back off. But if you're invested in something, then you're going to be like, you're going to be willing to be told you're wrong. And most people aren't. They're not willing to do that because they're not willing to be either vulnerable or at least have enough balls to fucking stand up for themselves and say, you know what, this is what I believe in. And you take what you you choose. Right. Like we talked about like methods, you know, being fortunate enough to be around CVAS and the seminar that you created for many years, you know, shit, half the stuff that was translated, I didn't understand, you know, when it was translated in English, God forbid, try to understand the real, you know, depth of the knowledge in different languages. But you have a history of sports, you know, uh, training, sports science, sports performance. And yet I don't do even if I was like a like a student of one of the methods, I, I don't do Bunderchuk's method. Like I can't do, you know, vertical integration. Like I don't do these things. And the reason why is because I'm not them. So what I have is something that works for me. And as a coach, I believe that you need to be able to be somewhat of a chef where you can pick and choose what works. The problem that I have is, you know, if you're making freaking, if you're baking a cake, right? And you're building a recipe on it and you have freaking, you know, flour, eggs, chocolate, and you're like, oh, cool. I want to throw these things in there. That's nice. You could throw those sprinkles on at the end. But if you fucking take tuna fish and add it to the equation, that's the problem with American sports performance is they got chocolate, eggs, flour. They want to bake a cake and they just throw tuna fish as the icing. It's going to taste like shit. And that's what most training programs are. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that a lot of that too comes back to the fact that people are confused um, kind of on three things. I think the first is like where we fit, you know, like obviously what we do can, can provide a lot of benefits, but you know, as these rules adapt and change and whether it be the CBA or the, you know, the NCAA, like that there's places where we need to take a step back and make sure we're doing right by the kids. Um, I think the second is we've changed the focus of what is important when it comes to what we're doing with training people you know like because it's so easy for us to see like one rep maxes go up and that's kind of turned into what our primary objective for many people is um, and then the, the last kind of just being like understanding what 
where, why, and how those methods were being used. You know, like, like there's things that, like, there's exercises that there are specific progressions for that these people looked at. And it's like, well, I'm going to throw that in at this point of the program because I think it fits. But, like, do you think that, like, Bosco or Verkashansky or Bondarchuk didn't think of what you're thinking of and try it and or eliminate it or find that their way was better? Like you said, man, like, there's too many people that want to put their addition to the cake, but maybe that addition isn't going to make it taste better. Unique? Of course not. Maybe. Yeah. Better? Yeah. Maybe not. But again, if you're agnostic to a system and you're just focused on the result, right, then that's all that matters. So, you know, here's the way I look at it, right? As a sport coach, like I'm an athlete, right? I'm a coach. So forget the fact that we consider ourselves athletic prep coaches or strength coaches or speed coaches or, you know, functional movement screen people or functional hypertrophy bullshit people, like whatever you want to call yourself to then build the marketing, which is in, in a lot of ways a good thing to, to, to sell, right? But at some point we need to like get over the crap and stop making up fucking words because they don't even exist, right? Like I don't even know what that means some of the times, right? But at the end of the day, from a sports standpoint, like from a head coaching standpoint, what matters? Winning, bottom line. Like I don't care. Winning keeps your job. I understand they want to have the 10-year, the 20-year scoreboard where they develop lifelong men, which I'm all about, right? You know, and that to me is where I think life lessons through sports is our best medium as coaches, at least for me it is, right? And I think that the cool part about sport is it's, uh, again, it's it's agnostic to po po political, you know, references. It's, it's completely removing itself and it allows everybody to, once you put a mask on, once you put a jersey on, all of a sudden you're in the same, you know, ring or field or place of competition for somebody. It doesn't matter what your color is, doesn't matter what you were born with, doesn't matter your upbringing, rich, poor, doesn't matter at all. It's go, to, it's go time and you got to compete. So for me, at the end of the day, it's winning, right? And this level of competition. So if you look at like historically, what helps teams win? Number one, better talent. I don't care what anyone says, right? You argue these points all you want. I would love to see someone argue this, right? Number one, better talent. Number two, keeping your talent on the field of play. So injury free. So if you think about if you want to focus your effort on max reps and or maximum weight and your one rep maxes at the college level, then you better recruit guys that have the, uh, the genetic potential to do that in the weight room if that's what you're looking for mm -hmm. as a coach. But if you're looking for better sport players, right, then you better go find the better athlete. You better go find the better sport, uh, the better positional player that fits your need, right? And then the job of the strength coach, their role is to keep them healthy. Right through that development. Yes, it's there to comp you know improve performance. But at the end of the day, if you get somebody hurt, we already know there's a more likelihood that you are going to lose out on the competition aspect. So if those are the two main factors for a team to be very to to win. Then it's recruit better, right, and not get guys hurt. So backing that up, if we we all believe that as coaches, I think that's something that we could all come to an agreement on. So what has happened? Coaches make it a recruiting game, not a coaching game. So they don't develop as much. So in the American football model and basketball and baseball, like they just want to recruit better players, right? So they deal with some of the character issues. They deal with some of the kids that like lack certain work ethics because they understand that they can help them win. And then they say, we can't get them hurt. So then they say, do nothing, right? So then all of a sudden, it's basically a recipe for disaster. So then... 
my biggest thing is like the training model and then the business model. If you think about the private sector, which is where I am, they need to add up. They need to have synergy. They need to link together. Well, it's the same thing in the college spectrum, right? The the training model needs to add up to the, the, the business model of winning. And in most cases, they don't, right? And there's a disconnect between the sport coach, the PT, the athletic trainer, the the um, the strength coach, the the student advisor that's struggling, that's structuring their class to create stress. It's like, you know, Brian did a study that presented at CVS. I don't know if it was one or two years ago about like the injury rates of uh, pre um, pre finals, right? And how they went up. It's like, okay, cool. Well, that is evidence that you are going to have a less likely chance to win if that athlete's going to get hurt and it's going to be during the finals week. Mm -hmm. So what is creating more stress, the physical exhaustion of practice, the stress and the demands that you're putting on the athlete in the weight room, or the psychological and emotional demands that you're putting on somebody in the classroom. It's all stress. So if you don't understand how to manage that, you're in trouble. Yeah. No. So again, it all has to kind of have some level of synergy and it doesn't because everyone's fighting for their job and their ego. And that's why college and the, recru- uh, the coaches on the recruiting side, uh, if you look at like the Yales or the, 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 high, the high academic achieving schools of the world, like they go and recruit six, four, six, five quarterbacks. Well, let me tell you something. If that kid was six, five and six, four, which he is at those Ivy League schools, right, as a quarterback, and he was any good, he wouldn't be at those schools. He would have been taken up by LSU already. He would have been picked up by Alabama. He would have been picked up, you know, by Stanford or UVA. But he got down that road because he wasn't as highly skilled. Mm-hmm. So then the coach's mindset from an ego standpoint is like, oh, I can develop this kid. Well, don't you think that the coach that has a million dollars on the line would have thought that too? And there's something that he bypassed. And I think that's where it's all like, that's where it's broken. I don't think we could fix it, but I think that we should definitely do our our job of not adding to the problem. So having better training programs to learn to where things fit and have a why behind it is much better. That's the reason why like the book Man Up came about, a come to Jesus meeting because I got tired of dealing with athletes not getting it, right? So the, the, the book is basically an hour read of a come to Jesus meeting with an athlete that says, I wanna get to here, but I don't know why I haven't gotten there yet. It's because everybody in their entire life in the AAU basketball circuit has told you that you're amazing, right? And that you've never need to work hard because I'll put you on, I'll give you one jersey one weekend, I'll pay for you to go to the next tournament, and then you work on, you can play on my team, and you're great. But then when you got to the next level, there's that tipping point where, guess what? Everybody's got talent. Then what do you do? So that's where the whole book came out of. It's the same thing in our training structure. It's like, hey, you got to do it all, and you got to know where it fits and why. And if you don't, what ends up happening is, again, you're putting sprinkles on the cake, or you're seasoning a, you know, a, a chocolate cake with red pepper flakes. They're both great, right? But they just don't go together. No, 100%. And I think that, that that's kind of like some scary stuff when you really think about it because it is, you know, it is an ongoing battle at every level and every aspect of what we do is having that, I mean, really that, that business fight between where the resources need to go and what personnel you're bringing in, and that's at every single level. And I agree. And I, so my philosophy is this: so like I, I got so frustrated one day, and I asked Mike Gittleson, who was the head strength coach at the University of Michigan for many years, who's a brilliant man, uh, and I asked him about like, well, how do you deal with the dynamic between that? And he goes, look, I got my guys better. My coach let me do my thing, but if you don't get my guys better, 
and someone gets hurt, I'm gonna have a problem. So my, it's just running and lifting is all he says. And this is a guy who's extremely smart and he's look, he's doing freaking muscle biopsies and he's testing everything. And he's basically saying it's just running and lifting. So it could be as, so, as, it could be as complicated as we want from our, the Russian literature uh, in super training, what not many people even understand. Right. Because, again, they're working with elite athletes and there's been so much other research gone into even just those methodologies before they even came about. There's so many other bases of training before that. Or it could be as so simple as just running and lifting. So at the end of the day, the way to fix it, in my opinion, is do a better job at your job as a strength coach. Stop bitching about the fact that you don't have control and you do have limited time within you know, the new CBA at the NFL level and you have restrictions in regards to the number of people because the NCAA doesn't know what the hell, the hell they're doing and they're basically creating, you know, uh, they're making your life harder and less safe, but yet they want to put uh, more safety parameters around it. So they think it's a good idea to build Again, the same thing. The infrastructure is built around recruiting. So they, Alabama has this idea of like, let's go build this 100,000 square foot weight room, but yet they're going to restrict our number of uh, assistant coaches and interns that we could utilize within that weight room at one time because of the new NCAA rules. So then how the heck are we going to have a team of 80 to 100 athletes in that building at one time with three coaches and make sure that it's going to be safe? But if you have an environment which is like streamlined and as a sport, you have a smaller weight room and you're building it around this level of intimacy and high level coaching, right? You're going to have less risk of injury and you're going to have better results. So again, again, it, it all comes down to the main problem. If we can't fix that, then we better do a, our better job within with the cards that we're dealt. So my thought is, number one, don't do anything stupid. Like Don't screw them up voluntarily. So address the problems immediately. The best thing that you should do for any athlete that comes into your program, number one, fix their biggest weak point, right? So if they have the biggest weak point where they're about to break and you know that by identifying it, fix it right away. Because then you're going to get the buy-in. Like, like everyone wants to talk about like building buy-in. Like, look, my NFL guys and the combine guys, they hate me for the first four to six weeks potentially. Because I'm like saying, hey, listen, guys, by the time you buy in, it's already too late. Because I only have six to eight weeks with you. So if you don't buy in until halfway through the program because I wasn't nice to you, well, guess what? Bye-bye, half a million dollars down the line. If I have to motivate you every day for a million-dollar job to play a sport, we're in a, we, we got a problem. So the guys that buy in right away, they might hate me for the first couple of weeks because I'm tough on them. I'm pushing them. And then literally they don't, they don't start to like me until the last kind of quarter of the program because they're starting to see the results. Right. There's a level of super compensation. But in the meantime, it's this like level of suck that they hate. Right. They're, they're beating themselves up because I'm doing all the stuff that they're bad at. I'm only addressing the areas in which they're weak because that's immediately going to bring them up to another level. And then I'm working on other stuff. So as a coach, the first thing you should do, address the weak points. Then make sure that you understand the sport demands and train complementary to that, contrasting to that. Don't compete with those activities in your weight room. And that's what everybody wants to do is they say that they think that transfer of sport has to be in sport. It doesn't like that. You could, you could train the tissue to deal with the stress demands that the sport is going to put you in not playing the sport. And if you understand that concept, I think most everybody should, then we shouldn't need to 
have somebody with a basketball and throw it up to them as they go and jump or a guy on a BOSU ball jumping onto an Airx pad with a football with one eye closed and then basically them turn around with weights in their hands. Like the, the, the idiocracy of everything, the, the stupidity, you know, I don't even want to use anything complicated because I can't even speak. The stupidity of some of the shit I see, it just makes me want to get away from the profession. But then at the same time, it's like, well, then I become part of the problem, right? Because if I'm bitching about not having, uh, not like uh, if I'm bitching about those at those co- those athletes going to those coaches that I need to do a better job to educate and then to make sure that they know that I'm the right guy or that there's a better solution. So I, I believe that there is a way to fix it, but I think it starts with first and foremost doing a better job. Yeah. And I think that that's how it is across the board with, again, going back to all four of those spots where, you know, I think you're real elite at bro. And I, you know, Kev, I can't thank you enough for the time today, homie. This is, <laughs> bro, this is killer. I'm glad we finally recorded this, man. And it's uh, it's about time I freaking hit that button and did the right thing. And I can't wait to catch up here in a few weeks, bro, because it's, uh, it's always fun sitting around. Hopefully there'll be enough barbecue by the time I get back this time and, and we can uh, have a sandwich and a soda pop or two and yeah, and, and Jay, I can't thank you enough. I mean, what you've done for me from an education standpoint, you know, you talk about cutting through kind of the, the, the BS. I mean, it, it's because the people that I uh, was early uh, introduced to, like early in my career, were the go-to people. So then anyone else that followed, right, just never came up to the bar, right? They never, They were never able to meet those expectations, and I think that's largely due to the fact that you just associate yourself with great people. Um, and I think that's a testament to what you're, getting, what you're trying to do with CVAST and do the industry. I mean, the seminar is, is incredible. Uh, for those of you guys that are listening, um, if you think that you know everything, then go to the seminar just to know everyone because you'll meet new people. And hopefully there might be a thing or two that you'll pick up. Uh, I could tell you there's something that I pick up from pretty much everybody there and not even the speakers, but even the audience members. There's sometimes more power. Shit. One of my favorite things to do at CVAS, my favorite thing. Everyone thinks that the the barbecue and the, the, the good times is, is, is what they enjoy the most is the conversation there. One of my favorite things to do at CVAS is literally go to the back room and talk with Yosef. Like literally that's like my thing. So why everyone's like, oh, cool. That's just the book publisher. And it's like, awesome. Cool. I'm going to go and just pick his brain for hours for two, three days. That's what I do. And uh, so it's absolutely awesome that you keep doing it. I appreciate what you're doing for the industry and the field. And uh, I will definitely be there. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks again, man. People are going to love this. We'll be in touch real soon, homie. And a huge thank you to Justin Cavanaugh for spending the time with us today. Guys, if there is one thing that I can tell you about Coach Cav, that is that there is no one that is more open, more honest, and more upfront when it comes to sharing and discussing things. And this was no exception. Kev, I can't thank you enough, brother. This was absolutely fantastic. I truly hope that you guys enjoyed this talk as much as I did because I think this was one of the best uh, shows that we have had on this show. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy it, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. We're just trying to get the best information out there to all the fantastic coaches. And as always, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. 
We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.